good morning. Good morning, everyone. Can y'all hear me? It's okay. We're going to get it fixed up. It's all right. Test, 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 test. Test one, two. Test one, two. Yeah. All right. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Oh, come on. I said, how are we doing this morning? Great, great, great. We want to welcome you to Life Church. Uh, we want to ask that you would, if you would, join us, please, as we get ready to honor the Lord with our worship and our praise. How many of you know that there's joy in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Lord, we just ask for you right now, God, to, to have your way in this service this morning, God, during worship, Lord, during the word, Father, that's being preached this morning, God, the, the altar time that we'll have during service, God, we just ask, Lord, that you would just move mightily, Lord, that we would be willing to move out of the way, God, to allow your Holy Spirit to do freely what it is you want to do in this house this morning, God. So we just give this time of praise and worship to you in Jesus' name, amen. We worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We're going to shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung upon that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God's still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We're gonna shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. 
prisoners, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Come on. Cause we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Here we go. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We're going to shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We're going to shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We're going to shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We're going to shout out your praise. Oh, we shout out your praise. Amen. Amen, amen. Oh, there's no one but you, Lord, no, no. No, there's no one but you. the heart it's hard it's be life into my soul and who can spin the world around and hold me ever close and who can search the depths of me and love me to the core and who controls the world I see and walks me through it all no one but you
just want you the lord of my soul king of my heart jesus it's you oh i sing of your love i'll sing of your love i can't get enough i just want you you're the lord of my soul the lord of my soul king of my heart jesus it's you See the skies light up every heart. Now sing to the Lord. Hear the rocks cry out. See the mountains bow every heart. Come worship the Lord. Hear the ocean roar. See the skies light up every heart now sing to the lord hear the rocks cry out see the mountains bow every heart come worship the lord tell them no one we sing no one no one sing no one no one no one lord but you there's no one no one no one sing no one no one no one lord but you i'll sing of your love I can't get enough, I just want you. The Lord of my soul, the King of my heart, Jesus, it's you. Oh, I sing of your love, I'll sing of your love. I can't get enough, I just want you. The Lord of my soul, King of my heart, Jesus, it's you. I sing no one. We sing no one, no one, sing no one, no one, no one, Lord, but you sing it out, church, sing no one, no one, sing no one, no one, no one, Lord, but you one more time. We sing, no one, no one, no one, no one, no one, Lord, but you.
you, Jesus. There's no one but you, Lord. Sometimes I fall on my knees and pray. Oh, come, Jesus, come. Let today be the day. Cause sometimes I feel like I'm gonna break. I'm holding on to a hope that won't fade. So come, Jesus, come. We've been waiting so long for the day you return to heal every hurt. And right every wrong oh, We need you right now To come and turn this around Oh, deep down I know This world isn't home So come, Jesus, come Come, Jesus and there'll be no war And there'll be no change When Jesus comes Let today be the day He'll come for the And the strong just the same And all will believe In the power of His name So come Jesus, come We've been waiting so long For the day you return to heal every hurt, right every wrong. We need you right now to come and turn this around. Oh, deep down I know this world isn't home. Come, Jesus, come. Cause one day he'll come And we'll stand face to face Come and lay it all down Cause it might be today The time is right now There's no need to wait 
Oh, your past will be washed by rivers of grace. So come, Jesus, come. We've been waiting so long for the day you return. Heal every hurt, right every verse 3 again. So one day he'll come and we'll stand face to face come and lay it all down cause it might be today the time is right now there's no need to wait. Your past will be washed by rivers of grace. Make this our prayer today. So come, Jesus, come. We've been waiting so long for the day you to heal every hurt, right every wrong. Oh, need you right now to come and turn this around. Oh, deep down I know this world isn't home. Come, Jesus, come. this place worthy is the lamb Lord you are holy God you are holy Lord there's none like you Jesus none like you Jesus
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Yeah, I will adore you. Clothing rainbows of living color, flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. Blessing and honor, strength and glory and power be to you, the only wise King. creation I sing praise to the King of Kings you are my everything and I will adore you Struck wonder at the mention of your name. Oh Jesus, Jesus, your name is power, breath and living water. Such a marvelous mystery. creation I sing 
praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you, because worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song, sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Sing worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Sing holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. So holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Oh, I will adore you.
hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, together wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven. Humbly you came to the earth you created All for love's sake became poor So here I am to worship Here I am to bow down here I am to say that you're my guide. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. And I'll never To see my sin upon that cross I'll never know how much it costs To see my sin upon that cross So here I am to worship here I am to bow down Here I am to say that You're my God You're all together lovely All together worthy All together wonderful to me We just worship him right now with no words. Just in your own words right now, let's just lift his name up. You're all 
together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. And I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross oh i'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross so here i am to worship here i am to bow down here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Here I am to worship Oh, here I am to bow down Oh, we say that you are King, Lord Oh, there's none like you, none like you, no thank you for the work that you have done in our lives and are doing in our lives and you know every purpose and plan that you are bringing together piece by piece person by person family by family that your name would be exalted in Lafayette and all the surrounding area of Acadiana Lord God we thank you your divine purpose and plan let your kingdom come and your purpose and will be done in our lives in this place today Holy Spirit you know every person here you know what the needs are you know what the cry of their heart is you know what their praise is for father let your work be brought forth in Jesus name 
Amen. Before you're seated, could we take a moment and pray for our group that's coming back from Mexico? They're beginning that journey back. They've got to cross the border. And I don't know if you've ever tried, but crossing the border sometimes can take hours and hours and hours. And so let's just pray. They've had an incredible week down there so far. And let's pray that everything will go smoothly and their return trip back. And we'll hear great testimonies in the weeks to come. Well, let's just take a moment and pray for them. Can we do that? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've called us to partner with you in taking the gospel throughout the world. And we thank you, Lord God, that the group from this church, Lord God, that went to Mexico and has been laboring all week long down there, ministering the word among the children and the families there, doing backbreaking work of painting and building bunk beds and everything else, Lord. All of it's been a labor of love, and we thank you for your your providence and your protection upon them but God they're headed back home and so we pray Lord God that your angels of protection would be round about them there'd be no mechanical problems no physical ailments or anything else Lord that everything would go much smoother than they've ever experienced before so that when they come back they'll be able to share and testify of the goodness of God and the greatness of God and the things that you did through their lives. Father, this has been a life-changing week for every single person, even to the oldest front to the youngest, Lord God, and that it will Im impact them for the years to come, Lord God, for your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just turn and greet someone this morning, and let's just give the Lord praise for what he's doing. Thank you. Amen. I'm not playing anything. Praise the Lord. It's good to see you this morning. Hallelujah. They, they always talk about the, the after Easter fall off. Everybody comes for Easter and then the Sunday after everybody stays home or whatever. But, you know, you're here and we're glad that you're here. Are you, look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm here too. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let me just, uh, if you haven't got it on your calendar, the first weekend, or oh, the first Sunday in May is our annual family day. Um, we're going to have baptisms and burgers and all kinds of things, and maybe a few other special treats that, we're, that we'll, we'll let you know about, but put it on there that you want to be here that, for, that first Sunday in May and bring some friends with you. Man, all you got to do is tell them, hey, there's food. Right? I mean, that's the 11th commandment. Wherever two or three are gathered together, we're going to eat, right? <laughs> and so, I mean, uh, um, to bring someone, bring them, that's a great opportunity to do that. It's very non-threatening to them and introduce them to people at the church and let them see that, hey, church folks have fun. You know, I, used to, I remember years ago when I was a teenager, a long time ago, but I still remember witnessing to my friends and they'd say, well, why would I want to 
give my life to Jesus. I want to have fun. And I mean, you don't know what fun is until Jesus has come into your life, man. I'm telling you, you don't know what an adventure is until Jesus has come into your life, right? I mean, you never know what's going to happen when God's involved in it. I know, I mean, really. I mean, he, he's, got inter, he's got things planned that you can't even imagine. And when you look back later, you go, wow, how incredible is that? So, anyway. Uh, we do thank you for your financial giving. Um, I don't have the slides up there or anything like that, but we have boxes in the back, and we have a t text to give feature and website and uh, Tidely app, and we thank you for that. We appreciate that so much. Uh, I want to get in this word this morning. I'm excited about this. this is, I'm going to be reading from Daniel, starting off a verse on Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. And it says, he shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and plan to change times and laws. Okay? He shall speak against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and plan to change times or laws. And I'm simply titling this, What's Going On? Um, when you look at this verse in scripture and begin to look in Daniel, this part of Daniel is very futuristic and that it's, it begins to tell of the one who is coming who is the Antichrist. Okay, that is the he that it, we just read about. He shall speak words against the Most High. Obviously, that's not God. The Most High is God. So he is not Jesus. He is the one who's coming the Antichrist, the anti-Jesus who's coming. And he says he will speak against the Most High and he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Who are the saints? That's not dead people. You, don't, you can't wear out dead people. Come on. I mean, let's be logical. And it says, and he plans to change time and times and law. Now, the Bible tells us the Antichrist is coming and, but the scripture tells us in 1 John 4 and 3, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is already in the world. So what he's saying is the Antichrist is coming, but the spirit that, is, that he is about is already at work in the world, all right? I want to read you something from the Bible Expositor's Commentary, and this is going to sound like 2023. I mean, this really is. It, it, I want you to read this. I'm going to put it up on the screen so you can follow along. Because I'm one, I want to be able to see it and, and read it and let it comprehend, okay? And he says about verse 25 of Daniel 7, he says, the little horn, and you have to go back and read Daniel. It talks about um, horns, and a little horn springs up, and this deals with kings or rulers that are coming in the future. He said, the little horn, which is the Antichrist, will claim divine honors even as he blasphemes the one true God. He will abandon all pretense of permitting freedom of religion. This is going to sound really familiar and will actually revile God, the Lord of heaven and earth. Okay, now this, is, this book's been written for, for a long time. It's a commentary, all right? He says, 
and he will denounce as fools and rebels those who retain biblical convictions. Does that sound like the day and age we're living in today? And he goes on and says, by cruel and systematic pressure, he will oppress and wear away or wear out the saints as friction does on cloth and on sandals. Such continued and protracted persecution far more effectively breaks the human spirit than the single moment of crisis that calls for a heroic decision. Then it goes on and says this last part. It is easier to die for the Lord than to live for him under constant harassment and strain. Is that true? In other words, it, the constant pressure, the constant harassment, the constant just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth is more difficult to deal with than just one moment of crisis where you could just say, Lord, just take me right now. And, and the thing is, we say, Lord, just, just come and take me right now. And, but it's, it's harder, it's easier, he says, to die for the Lord than to live with that constant pressure, that constant wearing on you, the constant grinding kind of in, in our lives, okay? Now, are we there yet? No, because this deals with the Antichrist who is coming, obviously. But are we there? We're, we're getting there. We're getting really close to that. And the signs around us reveal that, he's, that this is getting closer and closer, and when you look at the events of the last few years, especially, I, I want to say the last three, okay, um, there has been a wearing out, if I can put it that way, of many of God's people and the changing of our nation. This constant grinding. I've been watching this over the last several years about major um, cultural changes and 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 i could make a list of them but that's not my intent this morning they'll push on one thing then they get that passed or accepted by the people then they start pushing on another issue and then they get it passed by the and agreed to by the people then they'll go to another thing and we're seeing this all through time it's like if we get past it you'd think there'd be no there's an agenda behind it it's the spirit of antichrist and he's paving the way for when antichrist actually comes and 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 i'm old enough to say that i've seen and experienced massive changes in, in decades of time and the contrast is is mind-blowing it really is for those of us who have been around long enough to see those changes yeah i got a hand in the back amen and so um did you know that according and i read an article recently that says the world we're living in today is considered insane now i know that's crazy but i, I look look at this part of this article right here it says it's out of the whistleblower, and, it, and it's an article entitled Finding Happiness in an Unsane World. It says, until recently, the freest, wealthiest, and happiest nation on earth, America, has become the scene of wall-to-wall -wall conflict and polarization, anxiety, and depression, anger, and violence, and if you go to Washington, D.C., subversion and tyranny. 
I read this past week an article that they did a survey of the top 50 nations, the most progressive nations in the world, let's put it that way. And, and, and they said that America ranked near the bottom of the top 50 nations regarding the peoples who would say they're genuinely happy or have joy and have uh, hope. People are coming to America looking for hope. But the people who are living here are saying, I don't have any hope. I don't have joy. I don't, I don't have, I, I'm, there's something missing in life. And I'm beginning to see that carry over even into the church world. And when I say the church world, I'm talking about those who call themselves Christians, who attend the church. Surveys are showing that, that they're saying they're unhappy. Now, the Bible's never prom promised us happiness because happiness deals with circumstance. And, 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 but it has promised us joy, hope and joy. The two things that they said that uh, people are lacking in America, they said hope and joy are two of the fruits of the Spirit. I mean, so, so those things should be widely seen among Christians, and yet they're saying that their hope is gone. They're, they said life is draining. Life is like a grind. It's just like, what's the purpose of living? What's the purpose of going on? And so you have to say, what's going on? What's happening that's causing people to feel this way? At least that's what I ask. I'm like, why, why is this happening? And so I go back to it, and I realize that so much, there's so much pressure from day to day on the, from the world outside. There was a time when the church exerted the influence in our culture. And it, it literally dictated the, the, the morality and all of that. The church has become the minority now as far as culture goes in, in, in our world today. But that doesn't mean that we fall back and just crawl in a hole somewhere behind four walls and hide and hang on till Jesus comes. I mean, that's not what it's about. Um, it, it is a confirmation that we are in the last days and that the enemy of God is, and is the enemy of God's people and that he is trying, as Daniel says, to wear out the saints. So I looked up that phrase in, 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 uh, uh, in my Bible. I looked it up to see how the word wear out is used. And this is it. It's simply, it's a process. You don't wear something out over, overnight. You wear something out over time. It's a process. I mean, I remember one time as a kid, uh, I, I was out playing or whatever, and, and, and I remember I jumped on something, did something, and my, my, the knees on my, my jeans tore. And uh, I came home, and man, in my house, if you messed up your clothes, your shoes, or whatever, you know, th th that was not a good thing, you know. And, I, and my mom goes, how'd you tear your jeans? I said, I don't know, mama, they just wore out. She said, what do you mean they wore out? Well, when she looked at it, they had... I had been down on my knees playing in the dirt and grass and everything like a little boy always does. And, and it just rubbed against it until the cloth became very thin. And, and it just wore out. So one time when I bent my knee, it just split. It just wore out, you know. I heard a doctor one time say, tell me the story, and it was funny. He said, he said you know, um, 
He's, he, this is a true story. He told a story about, about a guy who showed, was in a car wreck. And, and, and those of us are old enough remember, how many of you had your mom always tell you, always wear clean underwear when you go out, right? Because you might be in a car wreck. That's what they would say. I mean, like, that, wear clean underwear, you might be in a car wreck. You know, I mean, like to a kid, what, what is that, you know? And I heard this doctor tell the story. He said, he said that, that saying saved a man that came to his emergency room. He was in a bad wreck, and he said shock should have set in and, and put him out and everything, but he was, he was alive. And when they wheeled him into the emergency room, he looked at it. He said, Doc, it was so bad it tore my underwear. And then they said he passed out, and they went to work on him, and the doctor said later, he said, he said it didn't tear his underwear. They were just wore out. <laughs> and I thought, I thought of that story. I said, because... Things just wear out over time, right? I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's something that happens over time. It just doesn't wear out. When COVID hit the world stage, many of the changes that were introduced into the world at that time, remember, they were saying, oh, uh, it's overseas, but we don't have to worry about it here in the United States. And then they said, well, it, have, it has a chance of coming to the United States, but it probably won't get here. And then they said, oh, it, it, uh, we're seeing a few cases pop up, so we're going to stop everybody from traveling from overseas. And then all of a sudden they said, no, we've got to stop everybody from traveling. And the next thing you know, everything was locked down, right? We're shutting down businesses. We're shutting down schools. We're shutting down this. We're shut and, and in the beginning, it, everybody had the, at least to me, everybody had the concept that all of these things are going to be temporary. Right? And, you know, we figured a, a few difficult months and then it'll get back to normal. And we're still not normal. I mean, normal is a setting on a hair blower. You know, low, normal, high. You know, I mean, that's it. I mean, it, it, there's no normal anymore. I mean, because it keeps changing. It's like playing a ball game on, and they keep moving the field goal, you know, the goal post. And, and so what's happened is we felt like it was going to be for a short period of time. But then after a while, they go, oh, now you're going to have to do this. And now, now you're going to have to do this. And now you're going to have to do this. And after a while, you know what I began to see? I began to see people who just acquiesced and just go, oh, well, that's just the way it's going to be. But then I saw people who were going, oh, no, that's enough. Right? But the majority were like, that's just the way it is. That's, we, we just got, we have to accept it. That's the way it is. And, 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 and when it came to Christian people, people who profess to be Christians, I began, I began to see their resolve break down. They began to, they would, they began to go from having hope and, and saying, God's going to take care of us. God's going to do this. God's going to do this. All of a sudden, they started, well, you know, things are getting bad and things are do Their whole outlook began to change and they just began to break down. And, and many almost have quit. They've given up. They've lost their hope. And, and Christians are called to stand. Christians are called to speak out. Christians are called to be resolute. In Ephesians 6 and 13, what does it say? It says, so put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes. Notice what it says. When the day of evil comes. Not if it comes. When it comes, he said, you've got to do this prior to its coming so that when it comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. That's what we're called to do. But you can't do that when you've lost your hope, 
when you've lost your joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if you've lost that joy and you've lost that hope, then all of a sudden now you're thinking like the world's thinking out, out there and you're just becoming another voice in the crowd. I think of the, the, the scripture, there's a couple of them there, but the one in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus and the disciples get in a boat. Now, this ain't a cruise liner. You know, this ain't a cruise ship. This is a small fishing boat. And, and when I say small, I'm talking about small wooden fishing boat with sails and, and oars, you know, and everything. And in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says this. That same day when the evening came, he said to them, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And when they had sent the crowd away, they took him in the boat just as he was, and there were also other little boats with him. So we, it tells us these are small boats, okay? So there's 12 guys and Jesus and not much more room for anything else. I've seen the fishing boats in Israel. They're not that big, the old fishing boats, okay? So then it says a great storm, not a storm, but a great storm rose and the waves splashed into the boat so that it was now filling the boat. He was in the stern, speaking of Jesus, he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, on a cushion. And it says, they woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Okay. Now, we've all encountered storms in our lives. How many of you have encountered a storm of some type in your life? Let me see your hands. If you don't have your hands up, you're lying. And you're in church. You shouldn't be lying. I mean, how many of you have had more than you think your fair share of them? Yeah, now, now I'm getting hands, okay. I'm getting double hands. I mean, you know, we'd stand on our head and put our feet up if we could. I mean, we've all experienced that. And some of you are going through storms right now. The thing about storms is they come and go. Uh, James this morning and I were talking, and he said, man, that storm last night was, was rough. And I said, what storm? I got up early this morning and came over to the church, and I was walking back, and I said, where did all this water come from that's standing around the house? I mean, it was like that deep, you know? And I'm like, I went to bed a little after 11. There wasn't a storm. But I got up this morning, there's water all over the place. It looked like a little lake out there, you know? And I said, did it rain? And, and I found out it did. I didn't know there was a storm. So it must not have been a great storm, but it was a storm, you know? But uh, we, we've all gone through storms for different reasons in our life. How many of you have gone through a storm because you made a bad decision? In fact, you know, it, it, years ago, it, people would say the devil was responsible for every problem in their life. The devil's not that powerful. Most of our problems come from ourselves and bad choices we make, bad relationships that we have, and all that kind of stuff. But there are some storms in life that are not because of our choosing. And there's two reasons for them, those storms. There may be more, but there's just two that I want to look at real quick this morning. Because I know that the enemy of God is the enemy of God's people. And the enemy knows that his time is getting shorter. And he begins to fight even harder. And so therefore he's ramping things up and he's preparing for battles to be fought in the realm of the spirit. Okay? 
So let's talk about two reasons why these kinds of storms happen. And the first one is that they try and separate us from the Lord. They try to separate us from the Lord. See, there are some storms you're not responsible for. You didn't do anything to deserve. It just, it just comes at you. It comes from this direction or that direction. Or, Man, if, if you've ever been out on a lake and a storm arises, sometimes it's coming. It seems like the storm's coming from every direction around you. Um, there are some storms that you cannot fix. And, and, and never mind fix it. You can't even figure out how to get out of it. And you don't even know what to do. And all you can do is call upon God. And only God can fix that storm. Only God can end that storm. For the last couple of weeks, there's been a verse of scripture that has been on my heart. And, and I've been repeating over and over and over again out of my mouth. I've shared it with other people who are going through some storms right now. And it's from Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. And it says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You will keep him in perfect peace. God says, he, his word, he's saying, those who keep their mind on you, you will keep in perfect peace. Now, I want you to walk through this with me. Let's unpack it a little bit. Because there are going to be times when you can't do anything about the storm. I mean, if I've done something wrong that's caused it, then I need to go and try and make it right. But even if I do that, it doesn't mean it's going to end. Because the other person may just tell me where to go. They're not accepting my apology, or they're not accepting this, or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. There's just some things you just are going to have to put in God's hands, and that's where you have to exercise faith. And what do I mean by that? Because a lot of people will tell you you exercise faith by saying something over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'm saying you exercise faith by trusting God. When you give it to him, you know, you, we give it to God, and then we go, what are you going to do about it? And, and, and you're listening, and God's silent. He's not saying anything. And you're like, God, what are you going to do? You have to exercise faith by trusting him. You've put it in his hands. Don't put it in his hands and say, well, and five minutes later, well, you haven't done anything. Let me take it back. God will let you take it back. We have to exercise our faith by trusting him. And that's easier said than done. Come on, let's be honest, Okay. It, there's just sometimes it's hard to trust God. We know we love him. We, we know we can do anything. But sometimes that, that test, that storm is so huge and came out of nowhere that it just overwhelms us. And, and, and we're just like, but the scripture says, you, oh God, will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And frustration comes when we try to navigate something that we don't have the, the ability to do. <laughs> when we try to figure a way out, when we try to figure a way to fix it, when we try, you know what that does? That just frustrates you. And, and that makes it even worse. It, learning to trust God, to, to just 
relax and chill in God. The word perfect, when it says, thou shalt keep him in perfect peace. I look the word at perfect. And it means completeness, tranquility, contentment. How do you have tranquility in the midst of a storm? How do you have contentment in the midst of a storm? How do you not feel inadequate in the midst of a storm that you can't fix? Come on. Are we being honest here? And yet it says you will keep him in perfect peace. Not somewhat peace, but perfect peace. And then the last part of that verse says, whose mind is stayed on you. And that's where the enemy goes to work. Because when the storm comes, he's trying to get your focus on the storm. He's trying to get your focus on the storm. And, and, and I know some people, I won't name names or anything. I have family members. When, when there's a storm coming, like a tornado's out there or hurricane's coming, the, the people just sit there glued to the channel that's showing the path of the storm. And that's all they see is the path of that storm. And they're, oh, no, oh, no. I'm like, it's coming. Have you done everything you can do? You can't change it. You can pray against it. And I've seen God turn storms. But God has to turn the storm. I can't do anything. My focus is on the storm. Now, all of a sudden, that storm, let me tell you something, is just getting bigger. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And if Satan and his cohorts can get you to shift your focus to the storm swirling around you and off of Jesus and the promises that are in God's word, then darkness wins. Okay? In Mark chapter 4 and verse 38, let's go back to that verse about the storm. It says, and he, speaking of Jesus, was in the stern of asleep on a put pillow or a cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Where was their focus? It was on them. They're telling Jesus, we're perishing. We're going to die. I don't know what they expected him to do because when he did what he did, they were shocked. <laughs> but they're, they're worried about their lives. And, and the... the to me, the irony of this is, is that many of them were commercial fishermen. They were used to the boats. They were used to the water. And if they were a commercial fisherman for any period of time, they were used to storms. I used to, when, I, when I was pastoring a church, starting a church down in South Louisiana, I lived on Lake Desalmonds, and I used to catch crabs and catfish for, for a living. And uh, that's, where, that's how I earned any money to feed my family or food to feed my family. And I'd be across the lake and, and all of a sudden I'd see a storm coming and knowing I need to get back before that storm comes. And one time I didn't make it and I was swamped out there in the middle of the lake. But I'd see a storm coming and I knew I needed to get back. It was a shallow lake. Shallow lakes stir up really fast and they get rough really quick. And, and, and so these guys were familiar with storms. They were fishermen. And yet there was something different about this storm. There was something 
Think about it. They were familiar with water. They were familiar with the lake. They were familiar with all of those things. But the, this storm was, un, was unlike any other kind of storm they had experienced before. So much so that they went to wake Jesus up. And sometimes the enemy of God's people will take something you're familiar with and will turn it against you in a moment. And I can tell you this from personal experience that people you don't know who come against you can hurt, but people you do know that come against you hurt more. And, and, and the thing is, sometimes he'll use something that you're so familiar with or that you're involved in or whatever, and all of a sudden it just blows up on you and you don't even know how it happened, where it came from, why it's happening. I mean, all those questions begin to come to the surface. And it catches you off guard so much that your mind all of a sudden is like, why is this taking place? Why is this happening? Did I do something? Did somebody else do something? And now all of a sudden your focus is where? On you. And it's on your storm. And it's on the things that are taking place. And it's not on Jesus. It's not on his principles. It's not on his promises. It's not on his word. And maybe, just maybe, sometimes God allows things of the past few years, for example, the past few years, I think God has allowed some of that to, to get the attention of his people to try and turn back to him. To come back to him. They've gotten away from him. I'm, I'm sensing that there is a hunger in people's lives. There's people who are hungry for God. They know there has to be an answer greater than anything they've experienced. So people will say things have gotten really bad. They've become real bad in the last few years. And I could say maybe so, but maybe there's a reason. Because God takes that which was meant for evil and can turn it for good. And those who are inside going, I'm, I'm sick of hearing what the government says. I'm sick of hearing what the media says. I'm sick of hearing, I don't believe any of it. There has to be a word of truth somewhere. God can use that to draw them to him. So when I look at this passage of scripture about Jesus and asleep in the, the boat and the disciples on the familiar territory and they're fearful for their own lives, I draw two conclusions from that. And the first one is this, that the Lord is always present, even in the midst of the greatest storm of your life, God is present. Okay? And the second thing is this. He's waiting for us to call on him. Jesus was in the boat. How long did they wait? The scripture tells us that they, they, they were about, the waves were coming in and filling the boat. Did they, did they wait until the water was this high or this high? Or about like to go under. Most of us are like, just bail faster. Get more, get more people to help. You know, and we're going we're gonna to work on it until he gets almost to the top. And then you go, Jesus! <laughs> well, he'll, he'll allow that sometimes because he needs us to turn to him. 
He wants us to call on him. He doesn't want us to sit back and cry about what's happening. He doesn't want us to sit back and have a pity party. He doesn't want us to sit back wondering where he is or why he's allowing these, these, these things. The disciples went to Jesus and got his attention. Not that Jesus wasn't aware of it. It says he was asleep in the boat. I don't think he was, had his eyes closed pretending he was asleep. He was asleep. But yet at the same time, he, there had to be an awareness, right? God's not sleeping. God's not unaware of your storm. He's not unaware of what's going on. But what is he waiting for? He's waiting for you to come to him. And they woke Jesus up. He's just wanting us to acknowledge him. In a storm, I heard a guy say this the other day, and I disagreed with him. He said, in a storm, you're either going to go down or you're going to come out. Oh, he said, you're going you're to come out of it, uh, go he said, rise above it, is what he said, rise above it. And I said, you know what the fallacy with that is that most of the time, and what I put up there is more true. You're either going to go down with it or you're going to go through it. We want God to get us to rise above it. The three Hebrew children in, in, the, in, the, in the fiery furnace, they said, we know our God is able to deliver, but if not, we're, not, we're still not going to bow. We'll burn, but we're not going to bow. And what they found out was in that furnace that God was able to deliver, but the way he delivered was that he came into the furnace with them. And then they walked out. And when they walked out, there was no smell of smoke on them whatsoever. I mean, so you're either going to go down in the storm or you're going to go through the storm. And I think that's one thing God's trying to do is make his people stronger that says, I am able with his power, with his presence, with his spirit, on his word, on his promises, I am able to endure this storm. I am able to go through this storm. He will see me through it. What's a greater testimony? Having never gone through the storm because God delivered you from it or having gone through it and coming out on the other end? You can't have a testimony without a test. We want a testimony without any pressure. We want a testimony without a storm. The testimony is coming through the test and saying, my God delivered me. My God saw me through. My God walked me through the whole thing. That's what we need to understand. And for many people, they find themselves in a storm. Jesus either gets smaller or he gets bigger. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Because if you focus on the storm, then Jesus gets smaller and the storm gets bigger. And if the enemy can get you to look at the storm, then, then it looks bigger than the one who created you. And so the first reason for storms is the enemy wants to try and separate us from the Lord. He wants us to have our focus on the storm and separate us from our, our walk with God. And, and our focus on God. But the other thing is, the storms reveal something greater to us about Jesus that we did not know. We want to learn the lesson without the storm. We want to learn the lesson without the test. We want to learn the lesson without the pressure. 
Look at what it says in Mark 4, verse 39 through 41. And he, speaking of Jesus, rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And then the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now, look at the next two verses. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? What did the storm show to them? Their faith was lacking. Right? I mean, their faith was lacking. He, said, he, 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 he says, why, why did you not have any faith? But then look what he says in verse 41. And they, they feared greatly and said to one another, what kind of man is, this, is he that even the wind and the sea obey him? So this storm revealed two things about to them. One, that their faith was lacking. And the second one was, who is this Jesus that the wind and the waves listen to him? How many of you think they needed to know that? Because later on in life, after he goes back to heaven and he sends them out and they're coming again and they're being persecuted and all of them were martyred for their faith except for one. How many of you think that they needed to remember that he's the one that even speaks to the wind and the waves? And how many of you think they needed to remember they needed to have faith that God was in control? I mean, there's just sometimes when we keep our focus on Jesus and on his promises, then Jesus gets bigger and the storm gets smaller. It's often in the middle of the storm that Jesus reveals something to you that you can't learn any other way. And I, I've thought many times, I've told stories of things that the Lord showed me in some of the hardest and roughest times of my life. And I've had people say, you should write a book about that. And I'm like, why? Everybody's got a storm book. Everybody's got a book of storms that Jesus did something. But I'm just saying, you say, well, why couldn't he do it a different way? Maybe we're too hard-headed. Maybe he needs to kind of like that old V8 commercial, you know, where you slap him between the head, you know, and like, oh, I could have done this. You know, God has a way of doing that sometimes. How many of you ever had God just kind of slap you like that and get your attention? Sometimes that's what the storm does. And you can't learn it any other way. Jesus rises up and he says, peace be still. He doesn't go, I rebuke the wind. I rebuke the waves. I rebuke. He just says, peace, be still. And it goes, Shoo. wow. And there are, these are fishermen, many of them. And they've never seen anything like that before. A verse, the last few days been coming to mind out of Psalms. Psalms 34 and 6. It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. The word magnify. I looked it up. And I'm not talking about the English dictionary. I looked it up. In the, I want to know the biblical meaning of the word there in Hebrew. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And it means to become great or important. Promote. Make powerful. Praise to cause to grow. To make great. Think of a magnifying glass. 
When you look at something that's very small, when you pull out that magnifying glass, what does it do? It makes it larger. So the psalmist says, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Let us praise his name together. What is he saying? He says, join with me in magnifying the Lord. And how do you do that? By exalting him, by praising him, putting your focus on him, thinking of the goodness of God, reminding him of all the great things he's done, thanking him for what he has done in the past, knowing that he's got a perfect plan for your life and that you're walking with him and, and, and all of that. And what happens? Jesus becomes even greater, more important. He, he becomes more powerful. He, 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 it, it causes him to grow inside of us. We see him magnify in our life. See, God wants to reveal himself to us in a greater way that we might know him and be able to stand in the face of the challenges of life. Because I can tell you this, and this is not to be depressing, but life, as difficult as it is now, is going to get even more difficult. But I can tell you that means my God is going to do greater things. And he's going to use his people. And they're going to be light in darkness. And they're going to be speaking truth in the place where people, there's a vacuum of truth. The Bible says in Daniel, it says, and, and they shall know their God who, and do great exploits. Those who know their God will do great exploits in the times of difficulty, in the times of trouble. Listen, we live in this life in the natural, but you and I are spiritual beings living in earthly bodies. Let's, let's put it the way it is. We are spiritual beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. And many people, if you ask them what are the three parts, they'll say we're body, soul, and spirit. And, and that's not incorrect, but think about it. We say body first because our mind is fleshly. We think of our, our natural tendencies first and spiritual last. We, we need the spirit man person inside of us to grow in strength and be stronger. And, and many of the battles of, and the struggles and storms that you and I are going to face, they're spiritual in nature. And you can't fight them with physical means. The Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brothers, he says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Why does he say that? Because in verse 13 he says, For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world and against the spiritual forces evil of evil in heavenly places. So our battles are spiritual in nature. That means we need to have our spirit person inside of us focused in on God. We need to be strong. David understood this when he went to face Goliath. You remember that? He goes, he goes to bring some food to his brothers who are on, up on the front lines. Israel's supposed to be at war with the Philistines. And David comes down and he sees this giant of a man named Goliath come out. Every day he's coming out and he's challenging the, the armies of Israel. Send one man out here. Send one man and we'll face off. And whichever side wins, the other side will serve them forever. And he makes his challenge and none of the soldiers are going forward. And the king's hiding in his own tent. 
And David's looking at this. David's going, why does somebody go fight this guy? And they're like, man, he's a giant. And they probably read his resume. He's killed dozens before, or hundreds, or who knows how many. He's the champion of the Philistines. Nobody can even come close to taking him down. And he, this giant comes out, and he, he basically spits at God's people, calls them dogs. And David isn't hiding. He's not shaking. He's like, I'll take them on. I'll go after them. And you know what they do? They find out that he's going to go, and they say, you can't take this guy on. He said, I can take him on. The same God that helped me kill a lion and a bear will help me take this guy down. And they're like, boy, you ain't got a clue. And so they said, well, I'm going to do it. So what do they do? They try and take the armor and weapons of Saul or who, and try and put it on him, and it's not made for him. He can't lift it. He can't walk. He can't do anything. And he recognizes that. So what does he do? He sheds all of that. And he picks up five smooth stones and he, he picks up his sling and he goes into battle. And he's not worried about it. And there's a reason why. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. He makes a statement after Goliath makes this challenge. He goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, that, that may sound crazy, and, and if, we, if you don't understand the terminology there, he goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, we're talking about a medical procedure, right? That circumcision on, on a boy. And, and we may be looking at that, and they say, well, that's crazy. What, what has that got to do with anything? Well, here's the thing. The physical act of circumcision represented a spiritual relationship with the living God. It was a command of God to be done for every Jewish male because it represented the, the, the covenant that God had with Israel. And so David goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the God of the armies of Israel? And the thing is, it represented not just a spiritual relationship with God, it represented a covenant relationship with God. A covenant. Do we understand what we're talking about there? We're talking about like God has said, I will do this and this agreement. You will be my people. I will be your God. I will defend you. I will do this. I, God has put his name on the line. And David recognizes that. So he goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the God of the Israeli army? Who is he? And what David's basically saying, I might be outmatched. I might be out-experienced or unexperienced. I may not have the armor to protect me. But David says this. He knows this. He says, I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear. I've experienced a few storms in my life. And, and, and I may not look like I'm a warrior. I may not look like I've got any battle scars that you can see. But I know who my God is. And I know that my God and I have a covenant together. Because I am a child of God. 
God made a covenant with Abraham years before. And he says, I am a part of that covenant, that agreement that God made. And then he goes on and says that God, he knows what the scripture says. He says that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Does God not speak? Does he speak and then not act? Does he, does he promise and then not fulfill? He knows that God is going to keep his covenant. He goes, I don't know who this guy is, but I do know this. I am one who has a covenant with the living God, and this uncircumcised giant does not have a covenant with the living God. That's where he was coming from. That's what he understood. And, and so David reiterates that. He's pointing that out. He's... In other words, I have a relationship. I have a covenant with God. None of you are recognizing that. None of you are understanding that. You're hiding in your tents against a guy who's not got a covenant with God. And, and I think God is wanting the church right now to know that those who know him, that those who are in relationship, with him, that those who keep their mind on him, that keep his kingdom purposes before him, and, and, and keep the promises before them, that God is not slack concerning his promises. That's what Peter tells us. He's not slow in, in keeping his promise. Listen, God is going to deal with those who come against his church and that are not in covenant with him. I'm speaking that to you. I know what the Lord is saying. In the days to come, you're going to see God is going to deal with those. Even if they say they are, but they do not have a covenant with God, God is going to expose them. It's going to happen. You're going to see it. Let me just take a couple minutes and share with you and then I'll close with a scripture. I was in West Monroe a couple of weeks ago, and that Sunday I stayed, and it was at my friend's church, and uh, they were, God just moved in a special, unique, special way. There was no preaching, no nothing. I mean, God just began to move on people, and they began to testify of what God was doing. And I had been there like the second Sunday, I think it was the third Sunday in January. Man and I were up there and we spent a day and went to their church. And when I was there, the Lord showed me something and I shared it with the pastor and his congregation. And I shared it the next Sunday with you. Some of you will remember that at that time, in the natural, they were talking about these atmospheric rivers that were coming in on the west coast that were going to bring all this rain. And it showed it was coming down South California, going up to the west coast, and we're going to bring tons of rain and snow. And at that time, they were, they were expecting the first one, and they said there were two more lined up behind it. And when I was there in January, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I shared it with the pastor and his church, and I shared it with you the next week that the Lord said what's happening in the natural is a, hap is, is a representation of what's going to be happening in the spiritual. That there was an atmospheric river that was coming and was going to sweep beginning on the west coast and sweep across the country. 
and that there was going to be, that, that the rain that was going to be associated with this and snow that was going to be associated with this uh, on the West Coast represented a pouring out of his spirit that was going to begin to happen all across our nation. And, and I, 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 I shared that with you here from that Sunday morning, after, that week after he showed me this. And uh, so when I was up there a couple weeks ago, near the end of the service, the Holy Spirit showed me again. And I had just seen the night before, they were talking about these atmospheric rivers. They've had so many. They said they had, at that point, they had had 25 of them. 25. And I have pictures. If I had time, I'd put them up there and you could see it. But in some of the town, some of the places... They had received 184 inches of snow. In some of the ski resorts, the ski lifts were buried in the snow. They'd had so much snow. That some of the places, they had only had 125 inches. These were records amount of snow. Other places... The droughts that they've been having for years, the reservoirs and rivers that were dried were now filled. Filled. And I had said in January, the Lord said he was going to fill them up and it represented the spiritual drought that was in this nation. God was going to begin to touch people and bring a flood of his spirit. And what do we see? Just two weeks after that, Asbury broke out. And then began, we began seeing breakouts all across America that was going on. Well, when I was there a couple of weeks ago near the end of service, we were just thanking God for what he was doing. He began to show this to me. And he said, he said, there's been 25 of those atmospheric rivers. There's records amounts of snow, records amount of rain. He said, but now there's something else coming. And I saw like the Lord just breathe a breath of warm air over that area. He said, get ready in the, in the next couple, few weeks, you're going to see news headlines of massive flooding from the snow melts. And I saw on one side of like a mountain range, I saw roads that were along the mountain covered and buried under landslides and mudslides and vehicles that were stopped and couldn't pass. But on the other side, the, the snow melted in flooding of waters. And I saw a little white church be picked up off its foundation and get pushed and houses that got pushed. Areas that had never flooded before began to get flooded. And I said, Lord, I don't understand what you're showing me. He said that the area where the flooding is, he said, you saw that church get swept away? He said, there were churches that in the past have been closed to me. He said, but there's going to be such a hunger and the flooding of my spirit is going to be poured out in ways that they've never experienced. It will literally lift those churches off their foundations, spiritual foundations, and I'm going to flood those churches and I'm going to flood that area and the people are going to see a move of my spirit. I said, okay, God, I like that, but I don't understand that, that mudslide thing blocking the road. And he said, he said, I'll tell you what that is. He said, that road has been a sure path for many people. He said, but there are those who are speaking against what I'm doing right now, speaking against the outpouring of my spirit. And he said, I am going to stop them. I'm going to stop them right in their tracks. And he said, if they continue to speak against me and to speak against the work of my spirit that is going across this 
nation. He said, I don't care if they're pulpits. I don't care if they're mega ministries. He said, I will stop them. I will cut them off from the flow of my spirit. And they can deal with what they got to deal with on their own. And I shared that with the pastor and his church. And I'm telling you this now because I'm just sensing that the Holy Spirit is saying and wanting us to understand this is the reason that the enemy's trying to wear out the people of God because there is a move of, of the Spirit of God that is coming. And if he can get our focus on the storms we're enduring, the storms we're going through, we're going to miss out on the move of what God is trying to do. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I have said that so many times to myself. How many of you know you've got to talk to yourself sometimes? Don't argue with yourself. The little men in the white coats will be coming to get you. you know? But you've got to talk to yourself sometimes. And you know when I get just like this, I'm... Let the peace of God rule my heart. And that, that, that means govern my heart. My heart is my spirit, my mind, my soul. That, that part of me that's wanting to get nervous and filled with anxiety, let it rule my heart. It doesn't say let the peace of God visit once in a while. We need to let God do what he said in Isaiah 26 and 3. You will keep him in complete tranquility, completeness of peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So here's my closing statement to you. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a covenant that is written in his blood. You must know that. You must determine and settle that right now inside of you. The night before Jesus was betrayed, what did he do? He took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you to establish a new covenant. The, the, the New Living Translation says it this way. I love this. For this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. That's what it was for. And then he, he, he tells us that it's as powerful as that Old Testament covenant was, as powerful as it was that David could go against a giant and know that God had to keep his part of the covenant. Jesus says, I'm not only reconfirming that, I'm writing a new one that supersedes that one. And I'm writing it not with ink, but with my blood. The Apostle Paul puts it to us this way in Romans 8, 35 and 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or a sword, what's he doing? He's listing everything in, in that day that could come against them. Oh, that, that'll, that'll grow a church. Understand if you join, this is what you're facing, tribulation, persecution, famine, 
nakedness, peril, swords. But then he goes on in verse 37 and says, no, in all these things, what things? Those things I just mentioned. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Friday night, uh, I was, right before I went to bed, I just went to laying down on the pillow just for a moment and just kind of reflecting on some of this. And an old, old chorus came to mind. And I'm a little hoarse, so I'm not going to sing it to you. <laughs> but the words simply say this. He's sweet, I know. He's sweet, I know. Storm clouds may rise and storm winds may blow. But I'll tell the world wherever I go that I found a Savior and He's sweet, I know. I want to pray for two different groups of people this morning. And if you're here this morning, and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And I say surrender. Because he's not sharing the control of your life. He wants you to give it to him. If you've never prayed and asked Christ to come into your life, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You can do that right now. You say, well, I've done some things. We've all done things. And he forgives. He doesn't forgive so that we can keep on doing those things. But he forgives so that he can come in and he begins to change some things. He's like a spiritual interior decorator. <laughs> he says, some stuff's got to go. We're going to replace the old stuff with new stuff make it a habitation where I'm comfortable living. If you've never accepted Jesus and you've never done that, but you want Jesus to be in control of your life, you're ready to surrender the direction of your life to him. Listen, he has only the best plan for you. That doesn't mean a life without difficulties or troubles or heartaches or anything. They're, they're there. There's a lot of other great stuff too. Notice I said other great stuff because he'll be with you through those storms. You've never done that. And you're ready to accept Christ and you're ready to say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Would you just raise your hand up high so I know who you are and I'll pray with you. I don't know everybody here. I don't know where you stand with the Lord, but I want to give you that opportunity. Okay. If, if you haven't done it, that you need to. Because when the storm comes, Jesus is not in your boat. But how many of you right now would be honest and say, Pastor, I'm in a storm right now. And I just need to pray. And ask Jesus to 
take control of that whole thing. I need to surrender it to him. I'm going to ask you to do something very bold, and that's just would you stand right where you're at. I don't need to know what it is. Nobody needs to know what it is. But you're going through a storm. There's a lot of folks standing in here right now. There's a lot of folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Thank you. There's more still standing. More. Thank you. If you're sitting down right now, would you just look around right where you're at? Look around. And if you see somebody right nearby, would you stretch your hands towards them right now? There's a lot of people standing, so just stretch your hand towards them right now. We're just going to pray. God, I surrender to you right now. I've been trying to navigate this storm. I've been trying to do it on my own, but I realized this morning I can't. For whatever purpose it's come, I need you, Jesus, to take control of the boat in my life. It's tossing me around. It's causing me to lose sleep. It's causing me to be irritable. It's causing me to hurt those I love. It's causing me to be how I don't want to be. But I need, I need to surrender. I do surrender right now. And I say, Jesus, I give you full control. Help me to learn how to trust you in this storm. I want that peace. I can't handle it anymore. I can't deal with this anymore, God. I give it to you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, lift that weight off their shoulders. Lift that weight off of them right now. In the name of Jesus, let them feel it. Even as the disciples saw when you said, peace be still, the instantaneous peace that came upon the water and the wind and the waves, God, let them sense right now that you have lifted that weight. The storm may still be there but the weight of it is now on you and now we exercise our faith by trusting you trusting you trusting you Holy Spirit you've come to teach us about all truth concerning Jesus. Use these events that are taking place in their lives to teach them more about Jesus than they've ever known before. And we will magnify the Lord 
with our mouth, with our words, with our actions. We will magnify you and exalt your name forever. And we thank you, Father. Thank you for lifting this now. Thank you for removing this now. Thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free. For we ask it in the name that calms the storms, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we all just stand together for a moment and let's exalt the Lord together. Can we write where you're at in your own words, in your own words right now, just begin to magnify him. Begin to thank him for what he's done. Remember the things that he has done. Look at what he is doing and magnify him. Let's magnify him in this place right now. Lord, we give you thanks. We praise you. Father, we've seen where you've delivered us in the past and where you've done this and you, you moved this mountain and you made this valley straight and you made this crooked path straight. Lord, we recognize that you are able to do above and beyond all we could ask or think. God, we magnify you. We praise you. We exalt you, Lord God. We thank you that in the time of trouble, you are there in the midst of it. You haven't abandoned us. You haven't run away from us. You haven't cut us off from you, Lord. You're right there. All we have to do is call upon you. And God, you are there, right ready to move in our situation and move in that circumstance, Lord God. Father, let the church be the church that exalts you, that magnifies you, that praises you, that gives you all the glory for every situation. God, there's things we're going through or have been through that we don't understand the whys. God, it's not necessary that at that moment we know the whys. We simply know that it's taking place, but God, that you're in it in some way. And at some point, in some fashion, you will reveal to us a truth that we did not know. We could not see from the other side of the storm. It's only after coming through it, God, that we see you for who you are. And I thank you, Father, that you are a good God. You're a good Father who has it, the best intention and best for his children. And God, you're working your plan in each of our lives. They may be different, and they are, but God is for the same purpose that you get the glory. So we give you the glory and we give you the praise and we give you the honor right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you just give the Lord praise this morning? Hallelujah. Now, could we just take a moment and pray for our nation? We need to pray for our nation. It needs to turn back to God. But I'm telling you, we need to pray for our churches too. They need to turn back to God. So let's take a moment and pray. God, would you move mightily within the churches across America? Move mightily in the pastor's hearts, the minister's hearts, the one 
God, that you've called to preach the truth, to share the revelation of your word. God, the people in the pews, in the chairs, wherever they meet, in the homes, wherever they meet, God, move mightily with a fresh breath of your spirit upon their lives. Move in a special and powerful way. And then God, move across our nation. God, we can look at it and we can criticize and we can find fault. And it makes, it's no spiritual gift to find fault. But God, it's spiritual to pray and believe and stand in the gap. God, we call to you that you would move once again across our land. That God, the subordinate of evil would begin to fall and would begin to be quiet. And that God, righteousness would be heard once again. Righteousness would be sounded across the land. And that God, godliness would be once again exalted through our nation. God, take those down that are against you and are against your purposes in these last days. Shut their mouths even as you shut the mouths of the lion when Daniel was thrown into them, Lord. That God, the next day the king comes and calls and finds out Daniel's still alive. God, let that be like the, this nation. God moves mightily in your church. And when the world is hungry and they're looking and they come and they come to the church, they find out there's a church that's still alive, a church that's still powerful, a church that's still filled with the Spirit, a church that's still preaching the Word, a church that knows their God and knows that they have covenant relationship with the living God. Father, let revival come in America in these days and we praise you for that in Jesus name amen and amen if you need special prayer for anything come and let us pray with you we have some folks that will pray with you whatever it is doesn't matter God is able to meet that need here I am to bow down Yeah.